Welcome to the Judaism From Within podcast. I'm Simi Lerner. To be completely honest with you, the idea of fear of God I've always found difficult to connect to. I mean, we say it quite a bit, but the classic way in which it's been interpreted or discussed or described, I've always found a difficulty to connect to. For the very simple reason that my historical circumstances are that I don't relate to authority in the same way people in the Middle Ages or in ancient times did. We don't live in a feudal system with a lord and serfs. We don't live with a monarchy, at least a real one, where it had the power of life and death over its citizens. It had complete power. Even if the monarch was benevolent, it still had the power of life and death over everyone below it. We use the metaphor of king to describe God. It's an attempt to sort of tap into this relationship. We have other metaphors, but it's difficult to connect to. And to add to this, so on one side we have the difficulty to connect to this sort of idea, but I think that even if you try and connect to it, and you relate this idea as some sort of emotion or a mood you're supposed to try and cultivate towards Hashem, it's very difficult not to slip into relating to God as some sort of divine dictator, a sort of Kim Jong-un in the sky. And that's not something we want to do. But then again, we have this idea of fear of God. This is where Rav Hirsch steps into the fray. For Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, like so many of the other commandments, it's not so much a mood or an emotion that you are called upon to try and cultivate. It's a practical commandment that impacts how you look at the world and thereby how you will act in the world. So to roadmap out our discussion, we're going to develop Rav Hirsch's understanding of Yiras Hashem, the mitzvah of how we're supposed to relate to God, or one of the lenses in which we're supposed to approach Hashem, and show his innovative approach. But the beauty about this approach is that it gives us a chiddush, if you will, in my view. It gives us something new and refreshing about an ancient idea, but at the same time, it doesn't lose the classic notion of we are still talking about fear. And there's a difficult balance to strike there. We will then go through how Rav Hirsch teaches us to use this idea in our relationship with Hashem and brings to life ancient philosophical concepts and philosophical traditions that people throw around in an introductory to religious philosophy or a theology class and makes them directly meaningful in our religious experience. So those are the two broad topics, the definition and its application. So how does Rav Hirsch define Yiras Hashem? Well, as I said, he moves away from simply saying, you must fear him, tremble in fear of the God that could hit you, or put in a crude way, God can send you to hell, as it's often referred to, a way of getting the masses to tremble in fear of their deity. He looks at the word fear as being the intellectual version of a related root, the root of fear being yira. He connects it to the root of Korah, just it being the intellectual aspect of what Korah is doing physically. Korah is to call someone. I call someone before me. They approach, and they are physically before me. Yira is this, but just in an intellectual, conceptual way. Yira, fear, if we move aside the idea of trembling or terror, which have different connotations, but Yira, in terms of fear, in the way that we want to develop our relationship with God, is that we draw him to the forefront of our mind. 
It is the calling that is done in Korah in the physical world, Yira is doing in the intellectual world, in the world of the mental, in the world of the experience. I fear God when I have God at the forefront of my mind. This isn't totally detached from the common way we use fear, because that's always a danger when you intellectualize something, or you try and describe something in a way that sits with us in a way that we can make use of it and appreciate it, you disconnect it completely from its traditional meaning. Rav Hirsch isn't doing that. When you are afraid of someone, you have drawn them to the forefront of your conscious mind. Rav Hirsch says that, that is the role of fear of God. Not to be that trembling about what God will do to you. It's more of who God is. You have a concept of God. You've never had breakfast with God. We have revelation. We have the idea that God had an encounter with the Jewish people, with the world. That was last time's discussion, the mitzvah of remembering revelation. Revelation came along with certain concepts of God. God's benevolence. God's omnipotence. These aren't things you directly experience, but they come with the tradition. The goal of Yiras Hashem is to take those individual concepts, those individual ideas, these characteristics that we identify with Hashem, and bring them to the forefront of your mind. So to take a pause here, we've defined the idea of Yira, and we put the goal not on some sort of emotional trembling that should take place. As I said, that might come along with this concept, but it isn't the goal. The goal is a perception. The goal is a way of looking at the world. The intellectual version of calling someone before you, but doing it in the mind, doing it in the area of the mental. Which is why Rav Hirsch says it's not incidental that ro'e, to see, to perceive, is also related to the word yira, of fear. So its primary use, or its primary characteristic, is to bring to the forefront of our mind characteristics of Hashem that we know from Revelation that impact our lives directly. But now let's go through a few of these characteristics in brief, just to show how, as I said, ideas that are often put down as a list of things you have to believe your God has, to a list of things that characterize God, that change how you act, that change how you see the world. Away from interesting philosophical speculation to active religiosity. To give an example of philosophical speculation and how this is different. Take the idea of omniscience, meaning God is aware of everything, or maximal knowledge. This was a question that was debated by philosophers because how could something be aware of everything and be conscious itself? There seems to be a contradiction there because if you're aware of everything, how can you have self-awareness as well? Because when we say maximum knowledge, we don't just mean all the facts in the world, we mean the relevance of all the facts in the world, but relevance is subjective. And they would debate and discuss the idea of God's omniscience perhaps being contradictory, how would it work? One of the most famous philosophers called Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz developed a whole system of what he called monads, of how everything was in a way slightly conscious and God was the supreme non monad. That, so I'm saying Rav Hirsch doesn't go down this road. For him, omniscience is a simple idea because it relates to us in a very simple way. God's omniscience means that God is aware of you aware of your thoughts, aware of your experiences, aware of the deeper parts of you that often we cover up, and experiencing the world that God is aware of those. And for Rav Hirsch, these ideas play off each other. On the one side, Rav Hirsch will have 
God's omniscience, aware of your every thought, which is why he looks at it as being a moral foundation, this idea of fear of God, having in the forefront of your experience that principle of God, that God is aware of all your actions, aware of your thoughts. Now, there's a, 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 a weight that comes along with that statement, but the moral growth from that way of looking at the world is that, and this is where it's key not to segregate out these ideas. We're talking about God's omniscience, but we don't want to step away and forget what we're talking about as our subject. God still has the characteristics that we mentioned at the beginning of this series. Still, God has the characteristics that we're going to mention in the next lecture on the love of God and how God connects to us and how he expects us to connect to the world. A God of love is that very same God that is aware of what you're doing and what you're thinking. And that very same God has an expectation of you. So it's not this oppressive dictatorship in the sky that you can't escape. It's the same God that is calling in you with a mission of love to the world. As Rav Hirsch describes it, God puts himself as the paradigm of love to be emulated. That is the God we're talking about. So we can't separate the concepts, even though we're defining fear of God. We don't want to put it in a vacuum. So that's omniscience. Take omnipotence, complete power, that the existence we experience is completely dependent on the will of God. Its very existence, the existence of what we term existence, relies on God's will. That puts human beings into perspective. We might be the crown of creation, but it puts us into perspective. But then Rav Hirsch shifts. He pivots and says, well, we must not forget another principle, God's scrutiny. Because a man might walk away saying, well, that's God, what am I? Yes, there is a principle that has to be taken over there, but not to drain us of our self-confidence. Scrutiny means that God intends you to be here. God cares about you as an individual. Because Rav Hirsch tells us these ideas need to be related because our significance is diminished, obviously, in comparison to what we call Hashem. But God still created us. By that same principle of God's omnipotence, his complete power, you being there is also intended. So it isn't a point to drain your self-confidence. It should uplift you. Revelation of the law. That too is a principle that you have to have at the forefront of your mind. God's justice. God's holiness. God's holiness is a beautiful principle. That idea that the way he describes it is when you come across a person and that person inspires you. Someone who is, who is in the dumps. Someone who's clearly morally lacking but is brought to inspiration by simply being in the presence of someone great. Someone who is holy. Someone who is noble. Someone who has reached levels of moral perfection that you hadn't thought possible. Just being in that person's presence can uplift you, can move you. For Rav Hirsch, that is also under the category of fear of God, because that principle of what we mean by God should be at the forefront of our psyche. So to recap this idea, we spoke at the beginning about the principle of Yira and what we mean by it. We then touched upon a couple of ideas that Rav Hirsch takes out of the realm of abstract philosophical speculation and draws it into the realm of religiously meaningful and the examples we brought of omniscience, omnipotence, scrutiny, and lastly, holiness. Because we don't want to extract what we mean by God from a conversation about fear of God. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful upcoming Shabbos.